Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Korean American Parenting. Uh, hope you're doing well. You should be listening to this on May 17th, which means yesterday would have been my birthday. So happy birthday to me and future thanks, past 10 thanks for anybody else. Um, we're going to talk about Korean Americans today. Um, obviously, this is who we are and this is what our show is about. But have we ever really thought about what the data tells us about what our community looks like, what it has looked like, and, and what the trends are? And so our wonderful friends at the Pew Research Center uh, released this amazing study of population uh, trends and analysis of all Asian Americans. And they uh, a, uh, published subsets of these data reports for um, about 20 different ethnic groups. And so this is really fascinating stuff. We'll link it all in the podcast notes. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of the data points that we find interesting. And, you know, how it relates to our own identity. So, uh, Jang, are you excited to get nerdy with numbers? Uh, no, but happy birthday, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, I, I used to celebrate my birthdays in, in a pretty obnoxious way, but uh, thanks to fatherhood. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> well, thanks to fatherhood and thanks to COVID, we're, we're keeping it keeping it light. Yeah, no, so this is actually a really good topic that I want to talk about, especially because um, maybe last month, somebody, it was very random, um, and I was talking about Korean-American identity and all this stuff, and one of the person that I was talking to asked me, well, what is Korean-American culture? <laughs> um, and that made me, like, stop in shock, and then... A little bit dumbfounded, but at the same time, after think, thinking about it more and more, um, you know, we don't really have a defined definition of what is Korean American culture and what is Korean American. So I think this, um, yes, as nerdy as it can get, um, the Koreans in the U.S. fact sheet by Pew Research Center. But um, I think that's a good start, Jerry. We're very different yet similar in our own immigration experience, right? And I think our ex Korean American identity, uh, obviously highly informed by our own experiences, where we live, the friends we keep. Um, and, you know, obviously in both of our cases, we married fellow Korean Americans and um, obviously learning and gleaning from their own experiences. But I think, you know, given who we are, um, given our professional and academic backgrounds, and even to the extent that we have the privilege of creating this podcast for you and for those of you listening, that we have this. You know, sometimes I don't think we fully even grasp the, the diversity and sort of the depth of what Korean American community means for all of us. And so, um, you know, we thought it'd be fun to just share some of the uh, the numbers that uh, Pew Research uh, shared out with you. And so, so I guess to start off at the top, 
we're now approximately 2 million people in this country. Um, that trend has increased from 20 years ago at about 1.2 million up to 1.9 and change. Um, will that number continue to go up? Uh, probably. Uh, the number of what they consider foreign-born or immigrants uh, continues to go up. Um, I think fun facts about this number is that uh, what we know to be true is that about 100,000 or a little bit more than that, so approximately 5 to 6%, of Korean Americans in this country are uh, transnationally and transracially adopted. And so they are, and they represent a significant chunk of our population. Um, and for me, I think what's going to be really fun and fascinating to pay attention to is how this evolves as a lot of mixed race, uh, mixed race marriages continue to happen and might be increasing as a trend um, and not even mixed race, but even within the Asian race, mixed ethnicities and, and you know, how, uh, how will places like Pew and, the census account for the multidimensionality in our, our race. So do you want to talk about location after this? And do you want to cover that a little bit? Yes. So it sounds, it looks like it has top 10 U.S. metropolitan areas by Korean population in 2019. Of course, Los Angeles is uh, by far the, um, uh, the most popular for Koreans um, at about 300,000. And then followed by New York, but significantly lower um, at 220,000. And then Washington, I think they mean D.C. Um, so Maryland, Virginia area uh, where I used to live, um, it's about a little less than um, 100,000. Oh, look at that. And then Seattle. Um, <laughs> um, and, and you know, what's really interesting, because I thought that Atlanta was actually also should be on there, but it's not up there because I thought that Atlanta used, um, is a, actually has a pretty big Korean population. Atlanta's state. number seven, which I find a little shocking, too. Mm -hmm. But I also think it really depends on how how broadly metropolitan of an area that they're reaching with this, because. I'm sure LA in this case would it's metro area, so it would include Orange County and you know uh, even Riverside and things like that. So you're going to cast a wider net. Um, but Seattle, that's that's pretty surprising because we don't we actually too. think I would I would have guessed that um, Atlanta had a larger population of Korean folks than Seattle. Yeah, but I mean you can see that we are quite bi coastal, right? Um, uh, and and that, that that people do live um, in the metropolitan areas. Yeah, and I, you know, overall, uh, Pew also predicts that uh, Asians Americans total will double in about forty years uh, to about forty six million. Um, will we grow at the same rate? I don't know, um, but they also predict that uh, Asians across the board will be the most dominant uh, uh, immigrant group, and so as we continue to see migration patterns of students and people on work visas or even families immigrating here. Um, I, I think that's also going to continue to be a trend. Um, and I think we also want to, you know, look at this really fascinating data that is um, there is a downward trend of the percentage of our population uh, who've been here plus or minus 10 years. And so looking at overall, uh, Koreans who are foreign-born uh, or immigrants, and Jang and I would both count in this category of, of foreign-born. And so for Kore for all foreign-born, how long we've been here? So it used to be 62% more than 10 years. Now it's 80%. So we're still, I think most of us are staying 
a lot of us are staying here longer. And so, you know, I've been here now 29 years. Um, so obviously I would have been in the same category, but I think, you know, the reverse migration of people coming here temporarily to work or to go to school, I think the trends are that people are continuing uh, to stay here. And so um, let's talk about English proficiency. And do those numbers uh, su surprise you at all, Jang, from sort of your own experience? Uh, the, the data says uh, we're 67% English proficient as all Korean Americans. But if we break that down by those who are born here, it's 94% English proficient, but foreign born including us and most of our parents and grandparents' generation, 50%. Um, that's a little low. I, I would have still thought that was a little higher. I think that's about right. Um, I do think that the reason that um, the, the people do live in New York and um, uh, LA area is because they, um, they do feel comfortable, but also English proficiency is not as needed for um, foreign-born uh, immigrants. Um, and so I would, I would think that that's about right. And they actually describe how they categorize prof English proficiency here by saying those who speak in only English at home and, or if they speak a non-English language at home, I'm assuming in this case, Korean, then that they can, uh, that they self-identify somebody who speaks English at least very well, um, in these things. And, we talked a little bit about mixed race children uh, and mixed group representations in this survey. Um, any Korean is counted. And so it includes all folks who uh, consider themselves mixed race, but includes Korean in their mix. There's one stat here that I think is um, doesn't, I think at our first glance, we both said, oh, we're right on par. But then when we thought about it a little bit, we, we sort of thought about the gravity of uh, what this number meant, and it is the, the poverty level. And so across the board, um, all Americans, about 13% of all Americans are uh, living in poverty. And so that's a pretty high number to begin with. That means one in eight Americans are living at poverty level or below. Um, all Asians across the board at about 10%. So Koreans fall in that 11%. Um, and I know from a different data set from this same report that the highest uh, poverty rate for Asian Americans are Mongolian Americans at about 25%. And so I think this this uh, you know this disaggregation of data is really important to tell a different side of the Asian American narrative that we often so hear. Um, again, we fully admit our privilege in our professional and our academic backgrounds. Um, and so many of the Koreans that we think about are, by and large, the ones that we keep in our social circles. But we don't think about and we don't talk off enough often about those who may not be as fortunate as we are. And so 11%, you know, we might say, well, that's lower than the American average. We're, we're doing relatively well. Um but taking the denominator earlier of about 1.9 plus million Korean Americans, that's 200,000 of our fellow Koreans who live at the poverty level or below. Um, you know, 25% of all Asian Americans in New York City live at or below the poverty line. But when we think, especially for those in our generation or younger, when we think about New York Korean Americans, we don't think about the people who service food at the restaurants or the people who work in retail 
or you know in in sort of the the really blue collar uh occupations and so um i think that uh i hope that this gives you a little bit of pause and to think about how we can uh perhaps spend the our resources a little bit better, or at least engaging these conversations to bring up uh, those in our community who may not be as as fortunate. Um, and so, um, does does that number, or I guess, how how do you react, or what are the, some of the thoughts that you've had during hearing that number, both in percentage and in the raw number of people? Yeah, um, I think you hit it on the nail. Um, so, you know, when I'm looking at like 11% and 13% in all Americans, like numbers don't really come very personally to me. Um, but this um, takes me back to when I was li- living in DC area and I had um, uh, volunteered as a psychiatrist um, to um, treat um, underserved Korean Americans or Koreans in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. This was sponsored by Community Service Center of uh, Greater Washington. Um, so uh, if you hit a below a certain income, then um, the services that I provided as a, as a psychiatrist or child psychiatrist was free for them. Um, and this was my pro bono job. And um, you know, my background is that I had spent um, 10 plus years in DC area through my um, college years, undergrad uh, school years, and then I had come back for more training. And um, the people that I met through this program, the people that I treated, um, really opened my eyes to what I wasn't seeing <laughs> before for the whole decade. Um, they were parents, uh, Korean parents that are bringing their children. And they, you were right. They were the ladies that, um, you know, flip bulgogi at H-Mart or um, the waitress at the jajangmyeon place that I go to. Um, and it was truly eye-opening in that I never thought about them very much, right, in my life until they became a person in my office and what kind of lives, you know, as a, as, as a uh, psychiatrist, I have the privilege to actually take a very close look into their personal lives and um, the struggles that they go through. Um, And it, it, it made me think about my own privilege, but also about our, nature not to um think about these things so you are right the numbers do tell me some facts but also it when i when it link it to my experience it does tell more of a story too and i think that's really um the challenge i think or the differences of how we view ourselves uh or i guess our parents mostly viewed ourselves in Korea versus here, because there's so much more complexity into identity here, because there were largely homogeneous. And so, uh, you know, everybody sort of looks the same. Uh, but here, I think thinking about what types of stereotypes that we hold for people who have certain jobs or people who live in certain areas, it is often really hard for us to process um, that so many of us who look like us and, and come from uh, the same country have at least in present tense, 
sort of different outcomes in terms of economic opportunity, but also the opportunities that have been presented to them. Um, I, I, I thought about this a lot, um, you know, as we were uh, grappling with sort of the aftermath of what happened in Atlanta uh, a couple months ago and hearing some of the jobs that they had there, um, laundry, cleaning, cooking for the people, and they're in their 60s and 70s. Um, it got me both really sad and really upset. Um, sad, obviously, because they were murdered. Sad because thinking about why they had to work these sorts of jobs at their age and uh, where we as a society could have done better. Um, and angry for the same reason that why couldn't we have done better? Why do these people have to work, um, you know, and I'm assuming, again, I, I make an assumption that um, that it wasn't that they needed to work, right? That they needed uh, financial stability. So that's why they went to work. But um, we don't often think about those folks uh, when we talk about Korean American community. And so um, I think it's also important as, as parents to be mindful and be intentional in, in how we share about our community to our children, too. And not just have them see other Korean Americans as mom and dad's friends, who obviously are equally or in the same uh, area, or I guess same range of, of privilege in terms of education and, and professional uh, mobility. And so, um, I, I thought that you know, looking at this data set was uh, not only eye-opening but also uh, very thought-provoking. Um, you know, I think if you spend some time looking at the different parts of the data set. Um, and I, I found it really, really fascinating to look at, you know, for example, um, the data set from uh, our Bhutanese friends from Bhutan, because we don't think about them. But for them, there was only there were only 200 of them in 2000 in America and now 24,000. And so their community has, you know, 20x here. And just even looking at, you know, trends from that perspective, uh, it is really, really fascinating. Um, also, if you go to the broader uh, Pew study, uh, and, and I'll plug uh, my other show, The Asian Americans, for a second, because we actually had the director who uh, did this study, Neil Ruiz, uh, a Filipino-American man, on The Asian Americans, talking about his own story and how this, uh, how these studies came about. Um, Chinese, Indian, Vietnamese, Korean, Japanese, and Filipino make up 85% of all Asian Americans. And so the Bangladeshi, the Bhutanese, the Burmese, the Cambodians, the Hmong, Indonesians, Laotians, all the other generally Southeast Asian countries all fall under 15% from a population density perspective. And so their stories and their numbers get often silenced and brushed under the rug when we talk about the more dominant, more populous Asian American groups. Um, but even though we're Korean, even though we have that bias in talking about Asian American things from our perspective, um, it was also a really nice and a, you know, an almost necessary reminder for me to think about everybody when we talk about Asian America, especially now as we're celebrating or commemorating, um, Asian American, uh, Asian Pacific American heritage month. And so I, I thought this was fascinating because I think like we talked about last week, our identity shifted from a primarily Korean American into more of a broad Asian American. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, I think it's equally important to think about and learn about our own culture and our own uh, heritage in this country, which is still very, very young from a from an immigration perspective. I think it's a, uh, the diversity within Asian Americans, but also if, even just diversity within Korean Americans, I think is a, uh, something that I have to keep in mind at all times. Uh, and, you know, even talking about Korean American culture, like what is Korean, when I thought about what is Korean American culture? It's just the culture of your own family that has parts of Korean and parts of American culture that is mixed in a different, different way uh, in each family member, each family household, right? I think of it as like the one of those like marbles that have similar colors, but they mix in a very different way in each yeah. marble. Um, and and I think that was a very difficult concept um, for um this particular person who actually um, asked me the question because um, she had just moved to the States very uh, recently, right? And so when when you come from like kind of monolithic culture and, uh, into this world in America where things are very much diverse, um, it's kind of hard to grasp the fact that there's so many different ways of doing things or um so many ways to perceive the world. Um, and this became much more of a, a topic that I think about on a daily basis once I had my child, because, you know, uh, and hence the podcast, because I want to figure out the, this is my perfectionist in my life, in myself, that I want to find the perfect combination of Korean and American for my child. <laughs> um I know. Yes, there's no, the therapist in me will say, no, 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 there's no perfect way. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but it, that is something that I always constantly think about um, to figure out what is the right balance um, that my child will um, learn both cultures and integrate them in a way that she can only integrate and still feel like it's uh, genuinely her. Yeah. And I think we always have talked about this sort of, is it the sum of two parts that make up a hundred or is it something new? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder at what point does it get impossible to look at current American data wise purely from a U.S. born versus foreign born mentality or even perspective because the experience of a first or second generation, first U.S. born like our children versus a third or fourth generation mixed race Korean child is just fundamentally different. I understand why we need to keep track of data this way. And it also helps to, uh, this is also how government agencies through the census and things divide up resources and invest in our community, which is critically important. Um, but, you know, when I asked Neil on the uh, on other show, sort of how do we look at the evolution of our own community as it relates to how we study ourselves, those are questions that they're also thinking about constantly because we're just going to get more diverse and um, there we still see it. We still, we have a lot of our friends and our, our friends our, our kids, friends who are mixed race. And I think it's wonderful and how we, how they view themselves and their own self identity in a multitude of ways, I think is going to be really interesting to see. And also equally important to teach our children that Korean American mean, 20 different things, 200 different things. Because for me, it was very, very narrow. And 
obviously that's rooted in a lot of uh, just Korean superiority mindset, um, <laughs> peninsula mindset of everybody else sucks. I, you know, there's a lot of different layers. Um, so I, I think that's also uh, really interesting to think and, and talk about. So I, I did want to share a little bit of uh, what people might consider Japanese American history overall, but there is a significant Korean American piece to it. Um, I was recently introduced to a group called uh, Share Our Stamp, or uh, Stamp, I'm sorry. It was a group called Stamp Our Story. And so they've petitioned that it is now uh, being pre-sold and will be released on June 3rd, a forever stamp commemorating the soldiers of the 100th 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which largely is known as a predominantly Japanese-American military team. Um, simply, they are the most decorated combat team in U.S. history. Uh, more nuanced is the fact that they volunteered to go serve America during World War II, while so many of their family members were interned in camps, um, but also were put in the most dangerous missions. They So many of them died and had to be replaced, and therefore, so many medals and so many honors. However, in the earlier days of the 442nd, I learned today that because of a of a concern over loyalty and just general overall uh, hate for Japanese Americans, Japanese Americans were not allowed to serve in that unit or at least have leadership roles. And so the very first captain of that unit was a Korean American uh, person named Young Oh Kim. Uh, the elementary school that sits smack in the middle of Koreatown on Wilshire and Vermont is called Young Oak Kim Academy. And so we, we do honor him, but our histories intertwine. And so um, for those of you, and that would be most everybody, if you need to buy stamps, forever stamps for work, for personal, uh, pre-buy for your holidays, um, go buy the go for broke forever stamp, um, which is one of the ways that I think we tell the post office, America, any business that our stories matter and that we can vote with our dollars is to buy stuff. And so I, I consider it, um, you know, an, an honor to to participate. And if you're getting a Christmas card from me or a holiday card from me this year, I'll likely have this stamp. Um, Kyung doesn't know it yet, but I'm just going to buy as much as I can and just keep them in a drawer somewhere. Um, forever stamps are also supposed to be, you know, forever. So. This is the lowest price you can get it for. Um, but just a reminder, too, that as as proud as we are about being Korean-American, um, Korean even, uh, that our identities, that our experiences intertwine, uh, even with our Japanese-American brothers and sisters. And for me and for so many of us, uh, we were not to like them. We were taught not to think so kindly of them based on our history and our complicated past um, even as recent as our grandparents' generation. So um, not so simple to talk about even our own identity. And as we evolve, as we grow, um, we hope that we'll be able to still share some of these stories. And um, and so with that, we encourage you to submit questions or stories that you'd like us for us to share. Um, you know, I think some of the privilege that Jeng and I share uh, that we don't address often enough is that we don't live at the intersectionality of very many other identities. Um, and so whether it is mixed race, whether it is a different gender, or whether it is other abilities, uh, we don't experience those. So our perspectives on what Korean American means is very limited. 
And so if you want to share your story or if you'd like to challenge us to share a different Korean American story, obviously the adoption story is so important to so many of us. Let us know. Uh, we'd love to share about it, learn about it, have you come on and share a little bit of your story. Um, and so uh, any final thoughts? I well, I, I think that we should take this month um, to not only think about the heritage uh, of Korean Americans, uh, but also Asian Americans, but also what kind of legacy um, that our children will carry as Korean Americans and Asian Americans. And um, it, it, to me, when I think about those things as kind of um, legacy and what I want to leave uh, for our ch children, um, things do become a little bit more clear. So um, that I would like all of you to, incur, uh, uh, to think about, but also um, to share your stories with others and um, to be inclusive. Yeah, it's a lot. We're, we're going through so much. Um, and as, as we continue to sort of process all that's going on in the world. Um, COVID in India is still getting bad, but we don't hear about it too much on the news. Uh, what's happening in Palestine is just very, very hard to imagine from from our privileged perspective. And and so um, with, with that being said, too, um, take care of yourselves, take care of health, uh, safety. Um, by the time you hear this, I'll be back, but we're taking our very first road trip as a family since Yay! COVID started. And so um, I'm oddly anxious about it, um, but I'm also extremely excited to sit by a pool and not do a goddamn thing for 40 hours. <laughs> and so uh, wishing everybody health and happiness, uh, an honor to continue to share our stories with you and um, engage with us where you can uh, at Create American Parenting on Instagram, at Jeng Cho MD, at Jerry J. Wan on Instagram. Uh, that's where we're most active, or if you find us elsewhere on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever, uh, we'd love to engage and, and share in the journey with you. So uh, thanks again so much uh, for coming and uh, listening to a little bit of our story. I uh, hope you have a wonderful rest of the week and stay safe and stay healthy. <laughs>